All right, welcome everyone. Happy Easter. You guys doing all right today? Everybody's all looking pretty and dressed up. We just want to welcome you guys to the bridge. If this is your first time with us, uh, we always just say welcome home. If you are watching us online, we welcome you as well. Make sure you share that for us. You guys are part of our family just as much as the ones that are here in the seats. So why don't you stand your feet with me as we worship today and just uh, sing. We just got a motto here, as Joe Don always does. Whether you can sing or not, just sing it out, right? So let's just worship together. Get a great. 
And aren't you thankful for God's grace? the great. 
his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. someone before you sit down let them know you're grateful to see them here at the church with you happy Easter happy Easter that's good enough that's better we welcome all those watching online with us as well um, they watch some of them weekly, we see people joining in our service, and we're grateful for the ability to be able to do that and to share God's love in whatever way we can. Easter Sunday, 2022. The kids, I walked over a minute ago and looked in the children's church room in the nursery, and both rooms are... Uh, have a lot of kids in them. <laughs> there's a lot of kids in here, but there's a lot of kids over there as well. Uh, they're having a great time over in Children's Church, singing, worshiping, and uh, they're getting ready to learn about God's truth about resurrection and Easter. Right after service, we will be going out and having an Easter egg hunt. Hopefully, you brought a basket, a bag, or something with you for your kids to uh, capture some Easter eggs. We have 5,500 eggs. 
so that should be plenty for everyone, hopefully. Uh-oh. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about a sermon entitled Underground. God doesn't want you to have a religion about him. He wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus had a brother named James, and he wrote an epistle. It's James in the New Testament. In chapter 2, verse 20, he says, But will thou know, old vain man, that faith or religion without works, and that word we're going to lean into as relationships, is dead. This was Jesus' brother that lived, this is roaring pretty good, turn this one down somewhat. Can you imagine being the brother of Jesus And living your entire life, watching him grow, and having the perfect sibling. <laughs> Any siblings in the room? <laughs> Wherever you have a perfect sibling, right, Jodon? Can do no wrong in Mama Rita's eyes. So James writing this New Testament epistle, he's the brother of Jesus himself, and years later he transcribes these verses, and he tells us that faith without works is dead, that we can have all the religion or the beliefs or the thoughts that we want, but if we don't act on those and turn them into serving others, our religion is really dead. Another place in Scripture says that pure and undefiled religion is this, to visit widows and to take care of orphans. And we as a church, we try to do that often here. And just this past Christmas, we took up an offering and sent over $1,000 and bought 20 kids beds, blankets, and pillows in a foreign country. They were orphans, and a lot of them were placed on ships by their parents and sent to a neighboring nation to flee the hostility in which they was facing. And these kids landed on another shore, and the church took them in, and they were sleeping on the floor of the church. And when we heard about it, Tabby couldn't sit idly by and say, well, I'm just going to believe that somebody will provide for them. Tabby called the church together as the bridge and said what can we do and how can we help and how are we going to get this done and so many in this congregation joined together and raised that thousand dollars to make sure those 20 kids didn't go through Christmas without even a bed to sleep on see we can believe about doing that all we want but until we act on it 
and turn it into reality, those kids would have still been sleeping on the floor. And in that, our religion would be dead because it's not really in action. So Jesus come to set us in action as a church. Look at your neighbor and you say, you need to be in action. James, Jesus' very brother, could have said, you know, very simply, he could have said, well, my brother was perfect and they crucified him and the world was not worthy of him and I'm just going to hold it all to myself. But he couldn't do that. He had to turn it into action. And he spread these words that we read just a moment ago. So let's dig deep today. And by digging deep, I'm literally saying let's go underground. And see just how far God is willing to go to have a relationship with us. It may be a long-distance relationship at this point, but I assure you it'll be worth it after all. And any of the old-timers in the room that's attended churches, it'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. Easter is a celebration service, and we're celebrating here today the resurrection of Christ. He was born of a virgin, lived around 33 years on this planet. The last three years of which he built relationships with 12 individual disciples that he had chose. But he was preparing them in a three-year period for a long-distance relationship that they would be in the remainder of their lives with him. In John 14, he told them he was going away to prepare a place for them. You hear that a lot of times at a funeral. But he told them he would reunite with them once again at a later date. And actually this John 14 is the period in which you see where Jesus is the last supper, and I'm sure a lot of you saw that picture of the last supper of Jesus. And those 12 disciples there, and he got down on his feet, and he washed their feet, and he showed them servanthood. And he told them about this long-distance relationship they would be in with him, but he wouldn't leave them comfortless, but he would send a comforter known as the Holy Spirit to be with them the remainder of their days. When Jesus was talking to his disciples a lot of times when we read through the Gospels of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four Gospel accounts of different individuals from different perspectives. These were four people that had relationship with Jesus himself. First-hand account, writing down the words of Jesus. But when we look through those verses, we don't realize that a majority of those verses and chapters in those books are about the last couple of weeks of Jesus' life. He had taught them a lot of principles, and we know about the marriage supper of the Lamb at the beginning and a lot of those things that Jesus did, the initial miracle of turning water into wine. It's easy to start something. It's difficult to stay in it for the long haul. And I can assure you that when I began my relationship with Christ back in 1999, 
that I thought it would always be mountaintops, that it would always be the glorious things, that it would always be like Easter celebrations. But the more I've lived it, the longer I've found out that life is tough. Can somebody say amen? We go through troubles and trials. We're perplexed on every side, it says in Romans. But yet Christ loves us. He's in a relationship with us. It's not just a religion of something I believe about him. I'm in a relationship with, it, with God. It's a personal relationship. And our relationship with him is not perfect on our end. It's perfect on his end. The Bible says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus was the only perfect person to ever live on this planet. There were people that lived close. Enoch got took by God, Elijah. There's different ones mentioned, but they still weren't perfect. They had issues. So why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you got issues. You guys are sounding like you believe it. <laughs> there must have been some actions that you thought about whenever you thought issues. Yeah, the room was full of them. Basically what we're saying, we're, is a, we're a room full of imperfect people. But we're serving a perfect God. So as Jesus was in this relationship, he didn't just start this relationship and go through it for a little season and leave his disciples helpless and hopeless at the end. All the way up to the Last Supper, he is remaining with them and he's closing down and he's closing in and he knows these 12 individuals that he's going to leave in charge to build the church. He had told them earlier, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is a beautiful thing. The church is not perfect, but it is yet a beautiful thing. Because Jesus is building who we are. It is Him in whom we live, we dwell, and have our being. And Jesus is preparing these 12 individuals to be ready for the days that were coming. And in saying these words, they were later written down by these disciples. And John, in John 14, that's penning these words, is reciting through his mind and his memory, through the Holy Spirit's enablement, to write down these words that we have written on pages to encourage us in seasons of our life when we feel abandoned, when we feel like God is not near. I assure you today, He is with us here. During singing, during worship, during the Word, your kids are sensing and knowing that God is near them in the rooms next door. He is not in the tomb. He is risen. The tomb is empty. But sometimes when we're in the midst of that tomb, and I'm taking this underground to kindly paint a picture as this Jesus, when he was crucified on that cross and he looked up and he said it is finished and they pierced his side and they took him down and they laid him in this tomb and, and the, the gentleman come and said you know I've got a tomb ready and I've I prepared it for myself but now that Christ has been crucified I'll give him my tomb 
He didn't just believe something. He turned it into action. And he took the body of Christ and he placed it in his tomb. And they rolled the stone in front of it. And we know the story that uh, they placed guards there to protect the body because they thought the disciples would try to steal it. It's pretty amazing that Jesus, they were feared of him even in his death. Even in his state where his bodily functions had shut down. His heart was no longer beating. And it was a deep, dark place that he was in. He was underground. But even in the midst of those situations, God is yet with us. David in the Old Testament said, Though I make my bed in hell, yet you are with me. No matter where you are sitting in this room today, I encourage you to know that God is yet with you. Romans says, while we were yet sinners, yet he loved us. His love causes him to chase us, even in our mess-ups, even in our slip-ups, even in our mistakes. He is chasing you down in this place today. It's no accident that you're sitting here. And Jesus laying underground in a deep, dark place, which seemed far from God, but yet his Father was yet there with him. There's many places in the New Testament that takes us along the pathway to believe that Jesus went and preached to the dead, Peter says. That Jesus went into very hell itself and preached to those that had perished prior to his coming. And his gospel is enough to cause even dead things to come to life. His gospel is capable of even make dead areas of your life come alive if you will yet believe in Him. All things are possible to Him that believes. Do I have any believers in here today? Do you trust Him today with your life? Are you encouraged today in knowing that the resurrection, that Easter is here, is causing us to have a celebration day where we can believe and once a year come to this occasion to know He is with us? To others, they may say he's dead. The devil is a liar. Romans 8, verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Now hope that is seen is not hope. If you're hoping only for temporal things and things you can tangibly see, if that's our only hope, We're men most miserable. He goes on to say, the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church, for who, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. There are situations in deep, dark areas of our life that seems like we're so far from God that we can't see what's going on. It's a dark, deep place underground. But yet, in the midst of that darkness, there is a light. And that light is the hope that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And He was placed upon that cross for our sins, our transgressions. And He was placed in that cave, in that tomb, for our transgressions. 
It's where we deserve to be. But God saw fit to send His Son in our place. I'm not hoping in things in this natural world because I know I will be let down. I think he got in trouble. <laughs> I remember Pastor Wells telling a story one time that the kid was doing that when he was going out. He hollered out to the crowd to pray for him. <laughs> but we don't need to hope for the temporal. Let's hope for the eternal. Let's place our hope in heaven, in a place of perfection, a place where Christ abides, that there will be no tears in the eye, no more pain, no more suffering. How many longs for that kind of place? This place, this temporal place we're on on this planet is a place where we'll continue to see the pain and suffering that we have endured. It may seem dark, it may seem distant, but God is with us even in this darkness. And I kind of imagine this through the perspective, how many's ever went to Carter Caves? Maybe Mammoth Caves, Mammoth Caves or whatever it's called. My dad's name Mammoth. He took us there when we was kids. I don't even remember it much, but I remember going. And when you go down in that cave and they shut off the lights and they tell you the story about that darkness and how dark it is in that spot where there is no light at all. It's easy to become afraid and think, what if when they flip that switch, no light comes on. Is prior to the days of cell phones when I was in there. Today, everybody would just pull out their cell phone and turn on their light. But a kid in elementary school going there, I was afraid. What if? Leslie makes fun of me because I'm scared of the dark. I should be old enough that I've outlived that, but I'm still scared of the dark, and I'm not afraid to say so. <laughs> if I go outside, I'm turning on the light. I'm going to have a pistol in my pocket. And I'm going to have a headlight on. She can go out there and dance around in the dark all she wants. I'm not going. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4.16 says this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The Apostle Paul writes back to all these churches to let them know to be watching and looking at things that you cannot see with your physical eyes. We're to have a spiritual eye about us so that we can see not the physical things that we see. We shouldn't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and things that we cannot see. There's a world out there of demonic activity in this world that we're living in. If you study all throughout the Bible, you'll see where that God cast out a third of the angels that followed after the devil that thought they were going to take over heaven. And he cast them down to earth. 
So that demonic activity is real. But if we're covered by the blood, we're set free from that darkness. We're living in the light of the gospel of Jesus. He is my protector. He is my rear guard. He is my shield. He's my buckler. He's my sword. He's all these things that scripture teaches us. Stop looking at the natural. Even though a dark season of your life that you may be in in this moment. Resurrection Easter Sunday is here to let you know that God is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of our salvation. If you do not have that salvation, today is the day to turn the light switch on. And the way I was afraid in those caves as a child, sometimes we don't know. Will he be there when I flip the switch on? The Bible says that it's not his desire that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. He is asking us to be the light for him because he's not here. He told his 12 disciples, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and while you're yet here, do the work of the ministry. Be the light of the world. The disciples couldn't see that. They thought, I'm imperfect. You are perfect. It's easy for you to be the light. He said, I'm going to be the light through you. So in our good deeds, in our actions that he tells us to do, that is becoming the light to impact this dark world that we're in. It seems like the whole world is underground. It seems like we're living in a deep, dark place. And oftentimes you'll hear people say, it's never been this bad. It's all gloom and doom. It's the end of the world. I can assure you this, according to Scripture, not one person in this room knows when the end time is. He holds that power himself. Jesus himself said, I know not that day nor that hour. It's my heavenly Father that only knows. Don't worry about the end times. Don't worry about how dark it is. He told us to be the light. Continue to do the good deeds. Not just believe in him, but act on that belief. But in the midst of that deepest, darkest place that Jesus had ever been, when he's hanging on the cross and they had beat him with the whip of nine tails, and they had hit him so many times, 39 times, lashes that he took upon his back. If you've ever watched the movie that depicts that, it does not do justice, really, I believe, to the severity of the situation that Jesus was in. Because literally, strips were ripped off of his back and would hang with those lashes. In modern day world, if somebody was in his condition, after the 39 stripes, they would literally be placed in the ICU. 
But yet they still spit upon him. They kicked him. They punched him. They put a thorn, crown of thorns on his head. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. That is a dark place. And in the midst of that, when they hang him on the cross, he looks up and he asks his father, Why have you forsaken me? It's a dark place when the Son of God even feels abandoned by God. If he felt that, we will feel that. Because he come to be tried and tested the same way we are. But the cross doesn't end at all. And those dark clouds come over. All of his 12 disciples that abandoned him. All but one. This young man named John. He was the youngest of his disciples. Jesus hanging on that cross, he looks down and sees his mom. In travail, in a dark place, seeing her son crucified. And he sees this young disciple. Most historians believe he's about 13 years old. Just a young boy. But he was Jesus' friend. And Jesus looks at this young man, this young man named John, and says, Mother, behold thy son, and son, behold thy mother. He's leaving his mom in care because he knows he's gone away. Relationships are hard. Distant relationships are really hard. We witness this here at the church a lot. Many work in occupations where that they go on the road a lot and work out of town a lot, like Eric Sylvie, and spends a lot of time away from his wife and kids. And I see the strain of that. I realize the strain of that. I've experienced the strain of that. Long-distance relationships are tough. But if you made your mind up to stay in that relationship, The end, the reward, will be worth it all. So if you're in a strained relationship in this place today, Jesus, laying in the tomb in a deep, dark place, underground, Understanding he was going to another world. Left his mother in charge of his disciple. This is the same disciple that would later go on and be on the Isle of Patmos that would write the book of Revelations. But in the midst of that darkest place, Jesus' physical body laying dead in a tomb. No heartbeat. No breath. 
no thoughts, no nerves twitching. Had went his spirit and preached in very hell itself. Can you imagine? On that Easter morning, Travis. What looked like all hope was lost to these disciples. To the one they placed their whole trust. Dead. Everybody say, but God. When his spirit descended into that tomb, that heart began to beat. Three days is not too long when God's in control, amen? And when it seems like all hope is lost, when it seems like there is no way forward, when it seems like there is no pathway out of the situation you're in, even in your darkest hour, God can yet bring to life dead things. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. In this room today, there's people here, you've gave up on relationships. He is not the God of dead relationships. He will bring to life those relationships once again. There's people that's given up on your dreams today in this room. I assure you, as Jesus was in the tomb and life came there, the dreams that you've gave up on, let God come into that situation again and see if he's not able to bring life to dead things. Bring dreams to life. Some of us has ambitions in life and things we want to do. It seems like all hope is lost. But if God be for me, who can be against me? The devil can try to take from me what God intended for me. But guess what? If God be for me, who can be against me? Those ambitions God placed in you. Situations you gave up on. Gloom and doom, despair, the enemy tormenting your mind and telling you it's not possible. You've gave up on situations. I'm telling you today, Easter is for the point to tell us today, believe once again. Put into action. Begin to put your feet in front, one in front of the other, and watch God move in your situation. Begin to walk and trust. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't care what these eyes show me. I know the God that's able to bring to life dead things. I believe this is true. He may seem distant, but I assure you, according to his word, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will go with you even to the end of the age. This is the ending of our story today. I want to read these beautiful verses that so many of us know. This young man, that's teenage boy that's there with Jesus' very mother, that he leaves in charge of her. This 13-year-old kid that had a hero and his name was Jesus. And he watched him crucified on a cross. He's seen him when he came out of the grave. He stayed with him 40 days after that resurrection. This young man named John writes these words. It's John 3.16. He remembered the words that Jesus had spoke. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He loved it so much that he gave his one and only son 
that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. I love verse 17 that follows that up. A lot of people start with just, stop at just verse 16, but I want us to stay with verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18 says, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Your pathway to victory, your pathway to illuminating your dark situations is putting your faith and trust in him and him alone. I cannot get myself out of situations. I can get myself into situations, but I cannot get myself out of situations. Because I was laying in a deep, dark hole one day, and I've told this story many, many Easter's. And my aunt called me to come and work on her cistern, a 12-foot deep hole, about a foot of water in the bottom, leaves, dead rats, a cistern, a nasty-looking thing. She wanted it cleaned out. Took the gas pump, put in there. So I went down in the first time, cleaned off the hose, come out. Everything's okay. Climbed back down in the second time that it clogged up, cleaned off the end of the hose, come back out, told my aunt that everything didn't seem just right. I felt fuzzy-headed. Oh, you're fine. That's how everybody tells you, right? Oh, you're just fine. Yeah. So I go down in the third time. And when I was standing there and I'm cleaning off the end of that hose and the leaves and debris had got all over that suction hose and I was cleaning it off. And the last thing that came to my mind that I thought was, I hope I can get out of here. And as I was picking off those leaves, the gas fumes in that cistern had poisoned my body to the point that there was no oxygen. And I passed out and I fell in the water face down and I drowned. See, when I'm talking about underground, when I'm talking about deep, dark places, I've been there. And if I had left this world that day, I grew up in church and I know for a fact that I would be in a devil's hell today. But God, my aunt trusted in her heavenly father. My Aunt Mary, right here in the yellow, stand up Mary and wave to him. This is my Aunt Mary. And she walked over to that cistern and looked down in that deep dark hole. And she seen me dead. She said, not on my watch. She didn't say, I'm just going to believe he's going to come walking out of there. She dove, because I knocked the ladder over when I fell. And she dove in that cistern 12 foot deep. 
took no thought about what it would do to her to save me. She was sitting down in there, but she had called my mom prior to getting in, and she was sitting there, and she looked, and she leaned over against the wall. It's a big round cistern, and she leaned over against the wall, and she pulled me over and got me up on her lap. She had never been through first aid CPR. She's sitting there, and she thinks, well, I'm going to have to breathe into him. She knew at least to do mouth-to-mouth. Pretty weird for an aunt to be mouth-to-mouthing you, but... When you're dead, it's all right. She began to breathe, and it wouldn't work. And she had a relationship with the eternal God that knows all things. And he told her specifically, hold his nose. She held my nose, breathed in my mouth, and junk began to pour out. And what was dead for minutes long while she was trying to get the pump out, while she was running in the house to call my mom. I was face down in the water for minutes on end. I was dead. She saved my life through an eternal God that told her how. I thank God for the EMT services and the ambulance got up there on the hill and they took her out first because they told her they didn't think I was even going to be able to make it. Triage teaches you that, right, nurses? You got to take care of those that's wounded that you think will survive. You get them first. I thank God for my aunt and the relationship I had with her that my life was valuable enough for her to jump 12 foot into a pit, a deep, dark place, and saying it's worth it. And I think that's just a picture. Because she had no idea that she was going to be saving the nephew that would be preaching to her as her pastor. We don't know the future, but I know who holds it. No matter how dark it seems right now, I promise you, he wants to give you life the same way my aunt wanted to give me life. He dove into this world, a deep, dark pit, to save everybody that's breathing in this room today. Won't you stand, if you will? God doesn't want you to have a religion about him. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Matthew, the tax collector, one of Jesus' disciples, remember Jesus saying these words at one point, and I'm going to read them to you. And I think they're the words for this very moment right now. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 says, Then Jesus said, everybody say, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary 
and are carrying heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. If you're tired in this place, and if the world in this deep, dark place that we're living has burdened you down, give it to Jesus. His burden is light. I assure you my life become better in 1999 when I went to an altar and I prayed that God would save me. See, I grew up my whole life at Hilltop Tabernacle and I heard many sermons about coming to Jesus, but I never acted on it. I had religion, but I didn't have relationship. Jesus has come in this place today to build a relationship with you. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes if you will? It's Easter. It's the day where dead things come to life. Apostle Paul says that we're dead in our trespasses of our sins. You may have walked in this place today not in a relationship with Jesus. You may have a little bit of religion about him. You may know a few things about him. But you don't have a relationship with him. And you know that you know that you know right now. You can sense that he's calling you. That his Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart's door. And he's telling you, come unto me. All of you are heavy laden and weary. I'll give you rest. Nobody looking around. Don't worry about your neighbor. This is between you and God. He wants a relationship with you. He's knocking on your heart's door. And he's asking you, come home. Nobody looking around. Nobody worried about your neighbor. Worry about you and you alone. He's asking you, come to me. And you know it right now in this room. And you're ready to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. You're ready to give it to him. Your troubles, your trials, your afflictions, your pain, your suffering, the darkness. And you're ready to flip on that light switch. I want you to just lift your hands and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. Come on, lift up your hand right now. Anybody in this place? Amen. Thank you for that hand. Amen. Amen. Hands all over the room. Amen. Maybe if you've known him before, you can put your hands down. Maybe you've known him before and you've walked away from him. You was once enlightened, but you've turned back to the darkness and today he's telling you, come home. Come back home. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand and say, that's me. I've walked away from him. I knew him before and I'm coming home. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Any others? Come on. Be brave. Just lift up your hand. Say, that's me, preacher. Amen. 
want us all to pray this prayer together in this place today. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures. Bring life to this dead bones in Jesus' name. Allow me to live in eternity with you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe that, and if you'll act on that, I promise you, you're walking out of here with new life. Apostle Paul said, Behold, old things are passed away and everything becomes new.